Welcome to another edition of Boilers After Dark. Not as late as some other games, but uh, we're driving back from Champaign. Kind of the set the scene for this uh, edition of the, the podcast. Our, our trusty photographer and now driver, John Terahoon, is uh, escorting us back to uh, uh, Indiana. Uh, we just left Champaign after Purdue's 46-7 win over Illinois. Nathan Baird in the front seat. I'm in the back seat. We'll make this work somehow. Uh, I don't know how, but we will make it work. But anyway, uh, appreciate you guys joining us for another one. And uh, uh, Purdue uh, basically took Illinois out to the cleaners and cleaned their clock today. Yeah, Illinois did not make it work today. Uh, They had a lot of problems, and Purdue capitalized. And, you know, you wonder some of the things that Purdue was doing early in the season if if this was a kind of game that would have been closer but the way that Purdue is executing right now I mean uh, it reminded me a lot of the Nebraska game really I mean they get down early or just by one touchdown you know Nebraska scored first Illinois scored first and then from then on you know Purdue just sort of stepped on the gas and took over I coming into this game I thought um, for the gamblers out there. I thought Illinois plus 10 sounded like a pretty reasonable bet just based on what they had done last week against Rutgers. The fact that, you know, Purdue's had some stumbles here and there. And uh, they, obviously, I was wrong. This was a pretty much Purdue's game. Uh, again, other than that little blip in the first quarter, uh, this was Purdue's game all day. And it was a pretty emphatic and impressive win, even considering the, the quality of the opponent. Very well put, and uh, I made the comment before we went on the air tonight that uh, Illinois had its ghost uniforms on, and they played like ghosts today. But, uh, John, do you have anything to add about the game? From your vantage point, how did it unfold down there on the sideline? Uh, for the games that I've seen this year, and I haven't seen them all, obviously, like you guys have, but it looked to me like Purdue's played the best game they've played so far this year. Uh, with the exception of the first series of downs, they look kind of sluggish after that. They've, the Illinois could not stop them. Great commentary, John. Appreciate that. Uh, I mean, Purdue, as Nathan said, that Purdue scored, uh, or Illinois scored the first touchdown, just like Nebraska scored the first touchdown in the in the last game. But then Purdue just proceeded to, to score 46 straight points. Uh, they nearly had a 400-yard passer in David Blau. They had two 100-yard receivers in Isaac Zico and Rondell Moore. They had a 150-yard rusher with uh, DJ Knox. And... You know, as we've talked about before, Nathan, we expected this offense to take a step, and they seem to be taking a, another step every week they step on the field. They are, and I think one of the big steps that, that, that emerged today was Isaac Zico. Um, you know, it was maybe most prominently displayed with the way he went up and got that touchdown catch right before halftime nine seconds left on the clock and David Blau throws it up to him in the corner and he goes up and wrestles it away from a corner and and comes down with a touchdown that gave Purdue a lot of momentum and in a lot of ways was kind of the nail in the coffin even though it's only halfway through the game and he goes for 127 yards and two touchdowns and you're talking to him after the game asking him about you know where he was last year you remember he came in last year Terry Wright came in um, Corey Holmes came in. They were supposed to be the answer at receiver, and it did not turn out that way. Wright had an okay season, but the other two, I mean, Holmes didn't even make it through the year, and 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 and, and uh, Zico's rattling off his stats and just has this, like, you can tell this disgusting taste in his mouth when he does it because they were so 
feeble and kind of inconsequential. And he really, you know, wanted to make an impact this year. And now you look back over the last four games, he's up around, I think, around 400 yards total in that period. Um, and is, you know, as they've had, you know, the running game has been pretty consistent. You've had Rondo Moore doing the things he does out of the slot mostly, and you think the Titans will be there once they get healthy, but they still needed somebody to kind of emerge and be a reliable go-to guy on the outside, and the signs are pointing to, to Zico coming along there. And to you know, to beat Illinois, they probably didn't need to have that, but to beat an Ohio State, to beat a Michigan State, a Wisconsin, the, that level of team, you're going to have to have more weapons on the field offensively and he's starting to prove himself as someone they can look to there yeah the the defining moment of zico last year was dropping the touchdown pass against nebraska uh and that that motivated him throughout throughout the year but you know he probably should have had another touchdown the one that was uh they didn't even review i think he got his foot in uh so he could and i can't remember exactly if Purdue got a field goal out of that, or they got a touchdown out of that, but he, he, he you know, he could have had three touchdowns uh, today. Yeah, and he was excited after the game. I mean, he he understands what this means for him, you know, personally potentially. But I think also just from going around that room and talking to Purdue's players, there was a lot of people who just respect him and are proud of him having a day like that because they know how hard he's worked for it. Like you said, he he had, the, obviously, the Nebraska game really stands out in his mind, but he's, it was just that whole season where he felt like he didn't step in and contribute the way he was supposed to, and he, he's, he finally got there. I think maybe he probably didn't um, anticipate quite how tough that conversion was going to be from the junior college level to the Big Ten level, as much success as he's had, he'd had as a junior college All-American. That, that's still a jump, and, and he's finally getting there this year. And, and like I said, now you start to look across this offense, you know, Rondo Moore is going to be a constant. I think you've got DJ Knox and Markel Jones who are really kind of running angry right now and, and doing it well. And that's, you know, you always thought Markel Jones – after that freshman year, it looked like he was going to be this kind of bell cow guy for this offense, and it turned out he's now more of the change of pace or the, the backup guy behind DJ Knox, but the, that tandem is working right now. And now, again, if the tight ends are healthy, I did not think they had a strong day today, and I think the injuries probably have been a factor there. And But if, if, if that group is there, and now you're adding in some more production on the perimeter of the, of the receiving core – this, you know, what we thought this offense was going to be and really would have to be in order for Purdue to have the kind of season it wants and get back into a, a bowl situation, that possibility starts to emerge a little bit more clearly. But as we've also said, they're 3-3 three and three now, which is, you know, obviously was the best case scenario after they were 0-3, but a lot of work still to be done against what's the toughest half of this schedule. Yeah, no question. We'll delve into that probably next week a little a little bit more deeper about what's coming up in the second half of the year. But uh, you know, you really gotta you know tip your hat to the defense as well. Uh, this was a this was a defense a couple weeks ago that shut down Nebraska for a stretch, about seven or eight possessions, while the the offense built the built the lead. Uh, but then today, after that first uh, first first time that Illinois scored. You know, Illinois really didn't sniff the end zone uh, again. They missed a field goal attempt uh, late in the first half, but you know the defense really kind of controlled the game, gave the ball back to the offense. They did their thing. You know, and Illinois, which had rushed for 212 yards at least in every in their first five games, 
you know, got 69 uh, today. And some of those are sacks and, you know, maybe they rushed for a little bit more. But Purdue, Purdue got pressure on the quarterback, made him uncomfortable. Uh, and once Purdue got the lead, especially at halftime, you know, Illinois was going to be one-dimensional and they were going to be one-dimensional in an area they don't want to be one-dimensional. And I think that was actually the most crucial part of this. And this was maybe the best example we've seen this year. Uh, maybe the Boston College game would be up there too. But of Purdue's offense and defense really kind of firing together. Uh, because once Purdue had that lead, once it was 29-7 to at halftime, Illinois does not have a vertical offense. Illinois can't throw itself back into these games. Um, you know, they, as you will over the course of a game, they got a couple guys open. This is still Big Ten football. But consistently they're not going to be able to do it. They've got to, you know, be able to you know, work this offense a little bit better and and and, and grind their way downfield and the, they they can't come back from a big deficit like that. And I thought Jeff Brom acknowledged that after the game. So, again, that was again more what we thought was going to have to maybe happen this year was that the offense was going to have to sort of dictate the flow of the game a little bit or or the or 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 how these these games unfold and let the defense let that be an advantage for the defense, and I thought that happened today. Just as we take a brief time out, John, you're going to take exit 220, right at the uh, Illinois-Indiana border. You got to go all the way through. Yeah, so okay. we got you got you got some time. We got a lot of more time to talk, too. <laughs> so, John, what was the most impressive thing you saw in the game today? John has no answer, by the way. I'm driving. He's driving. All of a sudden, oh, no, John's now cranky and he doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to be part of the podcast. Wait, wait, we just crossed. We just crossed the Salt Fork Creek, which is the the namesake for what is now my high school, what the where my high school was consolidated into, and is also the alma mater of um, recent Purdue baseball uh, All American relief pitcher Ross Lerner. So there's there's some trivia for you. All right. Aren't you glad you guys stayed up late for that? You got something to say, John? The most impressive thing was the trick play where David Blau received the pass for a touchdown. That was pretty slick. Um, first half, I thought. Good segue. Good. Thank you, John. And I did write about David Blau. Uh, he's currently on JC Online. He's kind of always on jconline.com when you get right back to it. But it was this was a big game for David Blau emotionally. Um, because he Illinois had shattered his ankle last year, ended his season right when he was uh, in the midst of taking over the number one quarterback role um, for for Jeff Brom, and uh, you know David felt that you know he got cheated last year, not in a not in a bad sense, but just the, his season got cut short, uh, you know, in that way when, uh, when when he had the injury and was really looking forward uh, to getting another shot at Illinois. And I mean, he again. He played well. He played. He's played well for four straight games. Uh, he's he's putting he's putting the ball pretty much on the money. Um, he did hold on to the ball a couple times too long today, but that's you know now we're getting in the nitpicking uh, area of of his performance. But you know, well over 300 yards, three t- passing touchdowns, and he caught the the trick play from Jared Sparks and. You know, Purdue seems Purdue showed a lot more trick plays today than they than they had uh, in the other games. I think part of that is probably just to give Ohio State uh, some extra time to to look at uh, different formations and Jared Sparks lining up in the Wildcat a few times. Uh, I think uh, Jeff Brom just did that to to make the Buckeyes work a little harder this week uh, before they come to Ross State Stadium. 
Yeah, honestly, I thought the exact same thing when they were lining Jared Sparks up in the Wildcat. I, you know, that's, you know, why not? I mean, the game is in hand at that point. So not only it, do I think that's a smart thing for Purdue to do, because I think Jared Sparks is a talented guy. He's got experience at quarterback. Find new ways to use him. Find new ways to get him on the field and and, and, and give yourself just a new wrinkle in a legitimate way. But also do it in a week right before you're going to, Give yourself maybe some kind of schematic advantage where, where you've got, you know, now Ohio State has to, to game plan for that a little bit or, or at least, you know, spend some time looking at it. Um, n- nothing wrong with that. I thought that was some really kind of some gamesmanship on on, on, Brahms, um, on Brahms' part there. You know, and if, if the defense hadn't done what it did today, if this had been a little bit closer game, you would have probably had, you know, 200-yard receivers, a 100-yard rusher, and probably a 400-yard passer, which there probably haven't been that many instances in Purdue history where that's happened. And who knows if Purdue had kept pressing things, how many yards Markel Jones could have gotten in this game too. So um, just a, a really prolific day for the offense. Again, against a defense that's prone to this, I think that's the third time that a team's gone for 590 or more yards against Illinois this year, which is um, not ideal. Um, although one of them was Penn State, I mean, this is this is some. There's some really good. They they played good teams too, but um, I think Purdue is. You know, you wondered after coming out of the two wins, you know, beating Boston College and, and winning at Nebraska, there was some real momentum building there, and then the bye comes, and I don't think teams dislike the bye necessarily, especially in football. Everybody's got to get healthy. They need rests. You got to go do some recruiting things in season, you know. But you wondered just. How would that carry over? Would they be? Would that momentum carry through for a team that obviously started this year at a pretty uneven uh, footing? And I think today answered that. They 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 have still that mojo going, um, but again, that's all relative to the challenge, and the challenge obviously increases exponentially next Friday night or Saturday night. Yeah, one uh, one guy I wanted to mention on the defense was Jacob Thiem, and I, I thought he played a a fantastic game today. Uh, he he may have. In some regards, I know when it's 46 to seven, it's hard to point to one play and say, "Hey, that might have been the play of the game." But when he, uh, yeah, when he, uh, well, that, but also when he sniffed out the screen pass uh, to Epstein, uh, when there was nobody else uh, behind Thieneman, uh, he was he was all by himself, and he upended Epstein for you know a short gain. But if he doesn't make that play or is not in that position. Uh, they're they're going to score and they're going to they're going to get back into the game. They're going to get the crowd back into the game. They're going to get some momentum themselves. You don't know how things play out after that. But he had many other plays where he was on you know near the line of scrimmage and uh, was able to blitz and you know stop the run game. Uh, and he I, I just thought he was a valuable piece today uh, for for this defense that you know continues to to make some strides and they continue to get better and uh, granted they got a big challenge next week they got bigger challenges uh, in the second half but I, I think they've probably made more progress than I thought they would make as, as we hit the halfway mark of the season I agree and I think that play exemplifies something that you have Purdue is going to have to do this whole second half of the season. If you're going to win it, you know, play at championship levels, if you're going to put yourself in postseason conversations, I mean, this may sound reductive, but you've 
guys have to go out and make open field tackles. I mean, that's how football is won at this level. You're not. It's not going to always be something schematically that your defense did to get an advantage. Sometimes it's going to be you got isolated or you got caught off guard, and it's one on one, and who makes that play? And that was an example of a, a, a senior or, or you know a veteran guy reading the play, being intelligent, and and being physical about it, and going up and 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 finishing a play and and winning a play. And if if Purdue still is going to have to beat somebody people probably don't think it's supposed to beat in order to have the kind of season finish this season the way it wants to and that's how those games get won is by those plays happening at the point of attack and so it, it, kind of the same way I was writing about Isaac Zico after this game it, it's great that those things happen today but mostly from Purdue's perspective because it shows that they can happen again when they're going to need them here in the second half yeah no question so you know we want to touch on this uh uh, briefly, but as it's well documented, we all know it. We've all seen it. Purdue started 0-3. It didn't look good at being at 0-3, knowing you had a a then top 25 team, Boston College, coming into Rossade. You had to go to Nebraska, uh, and regardless of what Nebraska is right now, that is still a tough hurdle for a program like Purdue to go into that stadium and and win that game. And then you felt like if you could come out of September in good shape then you had then you went to Illinois with an opportunity to to maybe to get back even if you could string some wins together and you know I don't know if a lot of people thought they could be three and three you know you had to question whether they could be three and three at this point but after starting zero and three but here they are they are three and three they put themselves in position now in the second half of the year to still have a lot to play for and the schedule is tougher and they're going to have to beat somebody that people don't think they're going to beat. But, I mean, I think right now you probably like their odds better sitting at 3-3 three and three after winning three in a row as opposed at the beginning of the year when you didn't know a whole lot about them and you thought the second half of the year was really going to be a tough climb for them. But I, you know, I'll, I'll share some optimism. I think they can... I think they can make a stride or two more in the second half and, and make this these last six games really interesting. To me, the important thing is not just that they're 3-3, three and three, although that was obviously the best-case scenario after the 0-3 start. What I think is important is that you're starting to see an identity kind of emerge on both sides of the ball here. The biggest stride of the season was still in the loss to Missouri when Jeff Brom said, we're going to, you know, um, how did he say it? We're going to go down swinging. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to be, um, we're going to come out and take the fight to the other team offensively and really kind of, you know, push the tempo and, 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 and challenge them downfield. And even though they lost that game, that set a tone that has now carried through these, these successive three weeks. I mean, they're, they're not just winning these games. I mean, they're, they're emphatically winning these games. I mean, it's these are decisive victories each of these last three, and you're starting to to see them go out and and take control of games, and that's that's probably the most encouraging thing if you're a Purdue fan is is that it's not just in the way the way that they lost those early games was kind of giving them away. You know, there were some you could argue in in at least one of those exa- games that they lost it more than the other team won it. That maybe that's not completely fair, but they, they certainly against Eastern Michigan just played terrible in so many facets that it they, they they really put themselves in a place where it was difficult to win. And now you're seeing them you don't see those same mistakes. You don't see those same um, ridiculous uh, 
undisciplined penalties happening at the most crucial points of the game. They they aren't turning the ball over. And then, you know, again, we're going back to, like, the Thieneman play and some other plays you saw in this game, um, guys like Cornell Jones coming along and making the impact they are. But look at the tackling that, that Purdue had in that opening game against Northwestern where it looked like, I mean, the first half of that game, it was almost like they didn't have a defense on the field at times. And then now look at what they're doing to teams, controlling the game defensively, you know, controlling a team like Illinois that spreads you out and has a talented guy in the backfield and still, you know, having success on early downs and, and forcing them to throw in, in uncomfortable situations. I mean, they, they, they are making progress, significant progress on both sides of the ball. Is that enough progress to beat a team like Ohio State next week? I don't know. But I think you know, they're going to be, you, you can at least have the conversation about how they're going to match up. Whereas after those first three weeks, more so from the, the way they were playing than the fact they were losing games, you thought there was, they had no business being on the field. Yeah. Now, you know, Ohio state now is next, uh, number three team in the country. As of tonight, we, I don't know what happened to one or two, uh, today, but they're going to come in at least number three. Um, it's going to be the highest ranked team. I think to visit Ross state stadium, probably in 16 years I think since 2002 since uh, I think uh, Ohio State team came in here and beat Purdue uh, I believe it was 10 to 6 that day they scored on a late touchdown pass um, uh, to beat the Boilermakers that day so a lot of uh, you know a lot of hype coming up this week about the game a lot of interest Uh, you know Purdue's Purdue fans are going to be jacked up the players are going to be jacked up for Ohio State it's it should be business as usual because this is what they face every week when they go on the road. They're they're they they're always the target. Another thing about today, and I touched on it a, a little bit in my uh, in my story that's on JCOnline.com by the way, uh, is I felt this was a maturity win for Purdue. Uh, they could have been looking ahead to Ohio State, especially with the announcement on Monday that it was going to be a primetime game and going to be on ABC and you're probably going to get the number one announcing team here and there's going to be you know segments during the week on ESPN and uh, there's going to be you know promos about it but you know I thought Purdue went out and handled its business all week and and, and in the game it showed that they really handled the, their business and I to me that's that, that's a step it might be a small step but it's also I think what is expected now from this program under Jeff Brom that you do focus on the game that's at hand you don't get caught up in a lot of the other things that are going on around you last year they had a player you know talking about trying to beat a team that wasn't even on their schedule uh after they had started two and one and beat missouri and that caused all kinds of issues around uh, internally in the program about looking ahead and but that you know but i think this is now what we expect from Jeff Brom's team that they're going to be focused they're going to be ready for that game they, they're not going to win every game because it just doesn't happen that way but I mean I, I thought today was a was a nice step for for this team and this program to show that it can handle its business right right in front of them yeah again they you know you're a double digit favorite on the road against the Big Ten opponent which by the way last week went on the road and won by three touchdowns now again we all saw what Rutgers did today which was just one of the most dismal performances they'll probably not just this year in the Big Ten but in a long time um so that doesn't look quite as impressive but still I mean you're right you know the the the, I don't know if that they felt any necessarily pressure about that but it is I think a sign that this team has come a long way just in these six weeks because you know they're expectations were higher earlier this year and Purdue was playing well under them and now 
even when they have high expectations, being a double-digit favorite on the road, they're exceeding it by by leaps and bounds. Um, so again, I think just the, the, that's maybe the big theme I take out of these last three weeks is that transformation from being a team that couldn't get out of its own way to a team that is is coming out and taking control of games and kind of winning on its own terms and what that could mean for now that you look ahead at a, a much tougher schedule in the second half, but not just looking at some of those games as winnable, but now potentially putting themselves in a position, a better position to be the kind of team that can upset some of those other teams. Yeah, and we really didn't touch on how maybe crazy the Big Ten West is going to be uh, by the end of this weekend because we don't know the result as we're as we're taping this. We don't. All right, I'll I'll kill some time here as you check the the Wisconsin and uh, and Michigan score because if if Michigan wins that game. Uh, then everybody in the West has at least one loss. I think Northwestern's now three and one after their win today. Now, there was a scenario coming into today that the winner of the Purdue Illinois game, if things broke right, uh, could be tied for the lead. So uh, you got an update there? Final score: Michigan 38, Wisconsin 13. Wow. Well, uh, that gives everybody a loss in the West. Uh, I think Northwestern now vaults to the top just by a half game. And then you've got, uh, I believe, Wisconsin and Purdue and Iowa all sitting at 2-1. and one. So um, there are a lot bigger goals that, that Purdue and a lot of other teams now can get, get involved in in looking at trying to, to move up in, in, in this division and, and make this a... Uh, uh, a really interesting six games coming up for everyone um, as as the rest of this season plays out. And Purdue has, uh, you know, they have Wisconsin, then they have Iowa coming up from the West, along with Michigan State and Ohio State, and that's that's going to be, uh, you know, uh, enough for them to, to focus on right now. But we wanted to check back in with John one more time before we sign off. I just wanted to ask John today, um, what do you think your best picture from the game was? And if people wanted to go to jconline.com and look for it, what should, what should they be looking for? Well, I think easily my best shot of the game was David Blau trotting off the field with the cannon after they won the game. Uh, the players all kind of yucked it up with the cannon, and uh, they are having fun. It was a big game. Like I said, I think it's the best game that they played so far this year. Uh, and I was happy with it. Uh, lots of good reaction. Felt good for the ball players. Well, John, we appreciate you driving today. We appreciate you being on the podcast. You're like the first non-sports person to be a, on a podcast at the at the JNC. So you should feel honored. Uh, this will be a day that you will never, ever forget, in my opinion. All right, we'll wrap it up from uh, somewhere in Illinois, getting close to the state border. Uh, we appreciate you stopping by and checking out our uh, After Dark edition of the Bullers Extra podcast. Uh, Nathan Baird was speaking earlier. He's no longer going to speak. I'm Mike Carmen signing off, and good night. And we'll be back next week with a more in-depth look at the upcoming uh, Ohio State game and where, where Purdue might fit uh, down the road in the Big Ten West.